everyone. Welcome to another Switchcraft episode. My name is Jana, and I'm sitting here with uh, someone who did the intro for this podcast. Yeah, I'm sitting here with Ben. Hi, everyone. As I mentioned in the last episode, from now on, it's mostly going to be me doing the interviews. So let's jump straight in. So I assume most people listening to this know who you are. <laughs> I think so, because you were described to me, and or I think you described yourself that way as the Canadian Mike Schneider, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I think it's an apt comparison, because you're pretty much, I think you even were the first one I saw on YouTube fingerboarding when I came back, because I think I just typed in fingerboarding, and you were either one of the first results, or definitely the first channel I subscribed to when I came back to fingerboarding. Yeah, um, well, but Canadian Mike Schneider, um, I think it's pretty accurate because Mike is definitely an uh, inspiration for us all. But to me, like, personally, I remember when I was a kid, like back in late 2007, 2008, I would literally come home from school and watch, uh, binge watch Mike Schneider videos, even though I, I would have watch the video 40 times already and I, I would oh sorry I had a, a little battery issue it's supposed to be plugged okay it's all good sorry okay so yeah uh, as I was saying um basically Mikey is a pure inspiration to me and what I did like about him was how frequently he was actually posting and mm -hmm. I think that's one of the main thing that is driving me is the fact that when I was uh, a kid, I only had Mike Schneider that was uh, posting constantly. But my favorite fingerboarders were like uh, Ethan Ebling, uh, Chris Daniels, uh, Gary Chin. Gary Chin was also pretty frequent. But like, and uh, Alex McMillan. Like those are mm -hmm. some of the first fingerboarders I was uh, following. And the thing that was making me sad is the fact that there weren't uploading frequently. So I think I kind of, that feeling stayed with me. And today I, I try to like post frequently because I think about the kid that just wants to see content, let's say from me or some other fingerboarders, mm -hmm. but they're not posting frequently. So yeah, I guess I tried to, to fulfill that need if it's a need. Yeah. I mean, you're doing quite a good job on that. How often do you upload during a week? I want to upload a week. Ah, I thought it must have been more. I see your videos pop up in my field all the time. <laughs> well, in 2016, uh, when I started doing videos, I, I was really getting into how to do fingerboard videos. And I guess I, I wanted to discover it by myself, it, like... It's the way I learned guitar. It's just like mm. playing around and not really taking courses uh, or classes or, or stuff like that. I was just discovering by myself. So I guess that's why I uploaded so many times in 2016. It's because, yeah, I was learning how to, 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 to do videos, basically. So that answers, I think, a few of the basic ones, but let's get them out of the way anyway. So how long have you been fingerboarding? When did you start? When was your first time picking up a pro setup? A pro, a pro setup, okay. Um, it, would, it would have been late 2007, 
Um, I remember working during the summer, like I was 12, I think, at that time. Mm-hmm. So I would do like yards work and mow, uh, mow my neighbor's lawn. And I remember gathering enough money. It was it costed me around as 55, Can- uh, 55 Canadian to get my first close up complete. And to, to me, it was night and day. Like finally, I received my my close up, and I remember it. I saw that um, that review from Mike Schneider again. You're gonna hear uh, his name a lot in this interview. <laughs> but yeah, uh, his close up review. I remember looking at the grip tape and being like, "That grip tape looks so much better than the tape." And I would focus on on such dumb details that would make no difference when I think mm-hmm. about. And and yeah, it was a close-up G2 with a five-borrow uh, five uh, graphic. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too well-versed in my close-up history, so I don't know that graphic from the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it, it, it was a close-up complete with the, the, yeah. the famous uh, urethane wheels that, yeah, I remember flat spotting. And I would basically end up with like three close-up wheels and one dentic wheels. At some point. <laughs> nice. Uh, do you remember how you discovered that there actually are tricks in fingerboarding? Like when was the point you went from playing with a tech deck to discovering the whole world of fingerboarding? Um, actually, that's that's a pretty good story. Um, to, to give a premise, uh, the first time I came in contact with tech decks uh, was basically uh, one one day. I was at the, the local Walmart with my friend and my mom, and I was basically in the toy alley. And if you guys remember how the Walmart toy alley is made, you have like all the Hot Wheels, and right next to it, normally you have uh, tech decks. And back then, I remember, I, like, I always was a, a big a video game fan. And one of my favorite video games of all time is Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Same here. Especially <laughs> <laughs> Tony Hawk Pro Skater 4. And I remember uh, back then, I think it was 2005, 2006, around those times, I remember seeing, like, the, the Tony Hawk Pro Skater 4 edition of Tech Decks. So you had the big Tony Hawk Pro Skater logo on it. Mm-hmm. So my brain made the connection of like, oh, this is from the video game I like so much. I'm going to buy this instead of Hot Wheels because I wasn't too Hot Wheels when I was eight, eight years old. So I basically uh, got got a tech deck back then. And I remember not too long, uh, not too long after I got a park. And on the park, there was a, a URL. And this, and 2005, like, you might not know, but um, for the people listening, but internet wasn't really big uh, everywhere. It wasn't as easy access as today. Um, it was getting better. But yeah. In 2005, I, I, I just had my own computer and I had internet on it. So I could, um, I could, basically research whatever I want. And one of the things I really liked was like checking a um, packaging and wanting to find a URL on it. And I would check the site. And that's basically what I did with my Tech Deck Park is I I, I just wrote down techdeck.coms, saw the video section, 
watched Michael King Scott, if uh, some people remember that name. And I remember seeing uh, another video of someone riding uh, a dollhouse and like doing tricks kicker from the rooftop to another kicker. <laughs> I don't remember the name of that video, but I'm sure uh, people from that era know what I'm talking about. And yeah, I basically, that's where I started like trying to do tricks with the three fingers, punch the fingerboard <laughs> out, <laughs> it flips. Yeah. For some reason, I didn't remember when when I made that that jump from tech deck from fumbling around to actually trying to do tricks. But I know that I wrote tech decks for quite a while before I got my first Berlinwood because was quite new back there back then. Berlinwoods yeah. didn't exist for that long. Well, yeah. Something that is uh, funny that people need to know is how um, how bad tech decks were at the beginning. Yeah. Like, they were 26 millimeters, they had no shape at all. Yeah, and the nuts from the wheels would fall off like constantly, like you would need to glue them in place. Uh, also, the nut from the hanger, you also need to, need to glue that one. Yeah, you could use, use a lighter to adjust the shape of the tech deck. The kids, yeah, we all did yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> and I always use skateboard grip to pimp the grip. I would go even further and I would use uh, AD, uh, ADP uh, sandpaper and glued it with Elmer's glue. I, I think I did that once and like the next time I regripped my skateboard I just put a piece aside and yeah. <laughs> but yeah th those were the days and then I got my first Berlinwood in like 2001 two something like that. Wow. Do you remember your your first event or what was your next step after getting your clothes up? Oh uh, the next step was like uh... learning everything. <laughs> Yeah, like five years of no activity, almost. Like, I, I really got into it, like, until 2009, uh, 2010, I would say. And then I started hitting puberty and being uh, into losing my virginity. So that, for me, when, when you're a kid, it rhymes with not fingerboarding, but it's completely ridiculous. If you just be yourself, you're the most authentic as possible. It's just going to happen like that. I actually quit fingerboarding for also quite stupid reasons. And at some point, I realized I just love it and started yeah, doing it again. It's part of you. Your hobby is yeah. part of you. And if you cannot accept it, like... I don't know. It's it's just sad for everyone because you're yeah. lying yourself. You're lying to yourself, and you're kind of lying to the people you're trying. And to also, help. like, do what makes you happy. And if fingerboarding makes you happy, like, why the fuck not? Yeah. <laughs> there are worse things to do in life. But but yeah, I got back into it after when I realized all this. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like since I'm maybe fifteen. Yeah, at 15, I joined a Facebook group called Fingerscape Quebec. We were around 60 or 70 people. And to people listening, Quebec is actually a province of Canada. Yeah, because we don't have state. We got 10 provinces. And Quebec is like the French-speaking province. It, like some people are bilingual all over Canada, but like it's mainly in Quebec. It's There's a lot of French-exclusive thing. But yeah, just small uh, lesson. So what that meant is it's easier to communicate with other French speakers, you know, especially about the thing. Mm and your hobby it's more fun so it, it was a way for me to really understand what a scene is and like the social outlet of it like sharing stuff and developing some affinities 
with people. And in the end, yeah, like two years after, in 2013, there was an event uh, organized by Ladis from Ladis Boards. And basically, Ladis, he held on an event at Boutique du Skate, which is a, a skate shop. And yeah, that's basically where I, 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 I met up with Justin that you see in my videos today. Mm-hmm. Vincent Plot that uh, was more in my 2016, 2017, but you saw him in a Tournament 9 or in My Birthday Exit. And you have Dom Diri that I've met there, and Frédéric Bordelot, which is uh, the 540p on Instagram. That's where I've met, uh, I, I don't I think I've met Camille there. Anyway, all those people that you see in my mm-hmm. videos became best friends of mine. Uh, when was that? Like how many years ago, roughly? About seven years. Cool. So you had quite a quite an active scene around you with people fingerboarding. Yeah, and this have been uh, keeping the scene alive, and it's also the the one who created the Facebook group. So like we owe er- everything uh, in our community to 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 Labis, basically. Like he he just helped so much. Like and. He was the one who started doing a lot of ramps. So whenever we went to events, we had uh, original and unique obstacle to ride. So just that was like a motivation by itself to mm-hmm. to make the move and go to the event. So yeah, like Levis is pretty much the one who got into it, and then that's that's what inspired me to to start. Uh, organizing my own event with the finger sesh and now how long have you been doing that for this year it would have been the fifth one but uh unfortunately with the with yeah everything that's been going on yeah i've organized four already that's pretty much it i also helped uh, organize the the camel tour yeah remember the video (laughs) i love that video so yeah let's jump to the video so when did you start your youtube channel and what brought you to creating Um, a youtube channel i would say uh that's a good question i i my my channel used to be for my music like I, i would dabble into music in my teens and record some stuff then one day i just like felt uh, i'm having flashback i used to do videos on my webcam on the facebook group and they were like unboxing and mainly comedy videos and like making a fool of myself like i, I was always into like making people cringe or shocked and like just making people react you know for the sake of entertainment so that's where I started, like, really wanting to be funny in my videos, I would say. Uh, I just wanted a place to put the video on fa- that I put it on the Facebook group so people could watch them again. And then I just started um, basically gathering attention from uh, local people who had companies. And someday pe- someone offered me to sponsor me. Even though I never had a part or anything, mm. I just was a funny guy on, on Facebook. Uh, and also, I was really active in the community. And yeah, I was somewhat uh, bringing people together, let's say. And that's what got me my first sponsorship. So the, the reason I'm saying that is that, just, just a, a little parenthesis, is that people keep asking how to get sponsored. Like, oh, I... I see some people online that are that are less skilled than me. I feel like I'm better, but I'm not getting sponsored. Um, that, that's not a valid argument. You have to be a positive attitude, and you gotta 
have like some kind of something that brings people together. Either it's by your clips or either it's by uh, the way you, you shot your unboxing or stuff like that. But yeah, to go back, end of the parentheses. Um, basically, I got sponsored and that's what got me into filming stuff. And yeah, basically not too long after my mom passed. So um, I had some heritage money. So I decided to buy a camera and the rest of it is a story. That's how I started doing videos, basically. So you turned a negative into something positive. It's like the most positive thing in my life. Uh, yeah. like it, it got me... Uh, I was really depressed in those years. To get this was a way for me to escape like the, the, the dark, the darkness. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I talked to a friend a couple of years ago. We were both dealing with issues uh, when we when we were fingerboarding together back then, and we dealt with it completely different. Like he delved into fingerboarding and didn't do anything except for fingerboarding because he was like just trying to get my mind off things, and I was like, I can't concentrate on fingerboarding right now. I need to stop that. And so we we went like to completely extremes but i i really like that something that you can just devote yourself to and try to at least for for the time you're doing it escape from yeah, whatever is going on and today it's still my my escaping like it's and, and not only that it's something that helps me connect with people basically yeah that's something i think that is very important I talked about that in the last episode with Evan from Aus. He basically said the same thing, that it's quite fascinating that we as fingerboarders are friends with people from all over the world, meet people at events for the first time that we've known online for a couple of years or that we've known of. Yeah, the, the way I see it is like every fingerboarder to me is like a friend crush, you know? Like, it's just like, oh yeah, finally someone that I can speak about the, the favorite, my favorite stuff. In life, you know, yeah. it's like it's just an automatic bond with people. A lot of times when I'm at the other Berlin shop, maybe we think about like a third of the time that we're there. The rest, we just sit in front of the shop, yeah, talk. It's a bar at this point. Yeah, exactly. And it's a bar where when you don't have anything to do, you just play a game of skate while drinking your beer. Yeah. Like... Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. our of the pool table <laughs> exactly that's why i enjoy it most like that's part of the reason why i play so many games skate it's not about winning the game of skate it's about standing around on a table drinking beer and having fun and the pool table argument is quite fitting i think yeah. it's also a great way to uh, to get free drinks <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I did play Game of Skates for money, but I haven't for beer. Yeah, need to. <laughs> and usually the money Game of Skates, I'm avoiding most of those. <laughs> yeah, because imagine developing some kind of uh, gambling addiction from it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's mostly mostly like Game of Skate for a euro, and I don't think I've lost more than five euros doing that or anything like that. But when you see people like Julian Bono at big events doing that i'm like i'm staying out of this because <laughs> he probably didn't have any money in his pocket so he's going to win no matter what and he's going wow. to kill you <laughs> that's funny 
like when the money gets out and it gamescape all all rules about being being nice and just having fun go out the window <laughs> <laughs> it's all about winning <laughs> yeah. don't mean it in a bad way it's Capitalism is everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, fingerboarding drunk is like an experience on its own. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's the worst for me. (laughs) I like it. Like having a small bus going is perfect feeling for fingerboarding. Like, I guess when you're, when you're skateboarding, it's, it's kind of fun because if you fall down, you're, you're kind of like limp. So it hurts less. But in fingerboarding, like, nah. (laughs) I never skateboarded drunk, but I would imagine I just wouldn't do it because I would be too scared to actually hurt myself. Yeah, which is yeah. why I stopped skateboarding in the first place because I hurt myself quite bad with this fucking shit. <laughs> yeah. I remember. Yeah, it's still not healed. Yeah. Did you know how to edit or how to film before? Like, did you learn it somewhere or was it just trial and error? Trial and error mainly. That's why today my my, my editing is still pretty basic. Um, yeah, same for me. I like it that way at the same time because it's all about the fingerboarding that way. To, or that's my excuse at least but <laughs> but but yeah i just i just do simple stuff and the the thing i i think i i got good is since i'm good with music and and rhythms and and stuff um i'm really good at placing clips over music and mm-hmm. making not only the tricks pop sometimes i i not only focus on the pop that fits the beat but i i, I focus on the way the slow mo is so it fits the way a, a certain note uh, sounds or stuff because i like to really get in when i listen to my own videos or videos in general. I like to really get into the song, start mm-hmm. The thing I like about my videos is when you shake your head, the moves and stuff fits like with the, the rhythms and stuff. So it's, it never feels upbeat. Like I think that's what makes my, my fingerboard videos that entertaining and go by really fast. That's what I'm in search. But yeah, I think the editing is trying to, to match the, the feel of the clip is, is still something I struggle with in, in edits. It's tough to nail down on, on edits. Yeah, and developing your own style of editing is also... Like, it's super easy to copy people. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And how do you find your music for your edit? Is it all, like, open source library or...? Used to, um, I used to write my own music. Like, I think I did that until 2018. And even 2019, I did some original songs... But the reality is um, that I'm 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 like my my music is pretty amateur still. Like it's, it's mainly the use of samples and like like there's very few mastering and like very few effects. But not not a lot of it's pretty basic music. So I think um, like using better music from better musician really adds another dimension to the quality of the video. So that's why I stopped using it. And to answer your question about where I find my music, um, well, like I said in the beginning, I'm a gamer at heart before mm-hmm. being a fingerboarder. So I take most of my music from old soundtrack of video games because um, my channel is monetized. I cannot really use uh, copyrighted music. I need to uh, to give the rights to uh, and like gives the 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 money from my AdSense and by money we're talking about cents here. You know? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it's for the whole video, right? If someone claims a copyright in your video, it's like doesn't matter if it's like five seconds or ten minutes. It depends. Like sometimes I'm I know I'm using something that is copyrighted. Sometimes it's a sound effect that uh, mm. is copyrighted. But there's like it's super easy to just like make the sounds 80% slower so it, it creates some kind of distortion in the voice. The way YouTube works is like it's they recognize the sound wave, like they have a, a yeah. huge of like all the copyrighted stuff. And if a sound wave fit one of their sound wave, they, they're gonna say, Oh, that's copyrighted content. But mm. if you you tweak the audio a bit, that's where that's where you can be saved. But yeah, I try to, uh, if I use jungle music uh, or old uh, 90s music, what I'm going to do is uh, look for um, for record labels that are not active anymore and that have not sold their license. So this way you're sure that they, they don't pay actively to have the copyright mm. certain songs. At this point, is it a steal of intellectual property from me? I don't think so. I think it's me uh, digging up some old music that m not a lot of people listen still. And mm -hmm. yeah, that and also I most of the time I will use um, some most of the time I will use uh, Montreal Montrealers or Montreal musicians. Sorry, and what. And what I do is I just basically send them a message of like, hey, I do videos. Are you down if I use your music? And uh, like most of the time what I would say is like, hey, can can I buy the the, the song on Bandcamp and stuff? Mm. So most of the time I pay for the music. <laughs> but like it's it's not a big, uh, like it, it's, it, it's not a big amount. And I, I think it's just a minimum to feel better about myself and not mm. feeling. I always ask myself, because I think once you get into copyright and stuff and like copyright strikes for videos, you're like, then, okay, how do I get music? Where do you get music? How do I get music that I actually like? Mm -hmm. And for me, it's no big deal because the way YouTube works right now for everyone who's listening, because I think you know that, is uh, you can use copyrighted music You just can't make money from it, like uh, Ben said earlier. So for my edits, I usually just use music I would listen to anyway. And then YouTube creates like the like a thing in your description with uh, with the songs that are being played. Yeah. Then you're basically good to go. So that's how I do it for my videos. But they wouldn't be able to get monetized that way. Yeah, uh, actually, I. I never had a copyright strike. My, my channel is clean, 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 clean. It cannot be cleaner than this. Actually, mm. talking about clean, my YouTube channel used to be called Fingered Ben, like on my uh, on my Instagram, and I changed it to uh, during the adpocalypse and like the the big YouTube controversy, mm. like the algorithm getting all over that place and stuff, mm. like target certain words and uh, unmonetizing not even because it's it, it's actually bad content or suggestive content, but only because it, it has a certain word. So to be safe, I just change finger to finger bend. And yeah. Uh, don't think I even recognize that you did switch that. 
Yes. In, in my head, you're still <laughs> finger then. Yeah, but that, that's that I personally I that's the way I want people to call me. Because oh yeah, fun fact, fun fact for the people listening. Um, the origin of uh, finger it. I, I was about to ask that, but sorry. <laughs> yeah, actually, um, it's a play on words uh, from a French word. Because in French we have a, a term that means finger dexterity, and it it's it's doigté, le doigté. It's the uh, Yeah, your finger dexterity, basically. So if you have a good doigté, you have good fingerboard, uh, good finger dexterity, basically. So there's no direct translation to doigté. Uh, and also doigté not only means um, finger dexterity, but it also means to finger something. It's an oval phone. So basically, I mixed all those those handfuls together, and yeah, now you have fingered them, which is <laughs> super wrong, but it's actually just means I'm good with my fingers. <laughs> it's quite funny, yeah. Yeah, bilingual uh, humor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my Instagram name is also a German play on words. <laughs> yeah. I get that. Um, yeah, so one thing I always ask myself when I see your videos, how much work does go into those videos? Because since you post that regular, I'm always like, I take ages for a video like that. Um, uh, it depends. Like a part can take me three to three to ten hours of filming, depending on how big the part is, if there's outdoor, if there's uh, stuff like that. And you can see basically with the amount of shirt I have in a part. Mm. If, if I have like more than three shirt, you, you can be sure that it, it took me uh, like more than six hours at least. Because I tend to, to film in like batch of like one hour and a half to two hours and a half. Mm. And because if I, I, I like to, to, to do prolonged sesh, but after a certain time, my brains goes mush. And I, I just cannot bear fingerboarding. Like I need to to distract myself and go back to it. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, um, so five to ten hours to to film a part and to exit, it takes me maybe two to no, okay, three to six hours. So it's about uh, it, it it varies at about eight. To, uh, to 20 hours per videos. One thing that is interesting is uh, the, the Games of Skate takes me 30 minutes to, to film, but takes me about eight hours to edit. These, I, I personally think the Games of Skate is the, the most, the, the, the videos that ask me the more work and they're not, They're, they're not um, the videos that brings me the more views. So since uh, I'm a sellout, well... <laughs> you don't do them that much. <laughs> yeah, I don't do them that much. And like, but my, like, everything that is outdoor, also that's another thing that's interesting, is in an afternoon most of the time. So I start at mm. like hour and I, I come back for dinner time most of the time. I see you do outdoor stuff quite a lot. I would say you're one of the most regular outdoor video 
Yeah. Uploader, whatever you might call yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, that's a good term. If you can say. <laughs> and do you have a map of bots or do you go out fresh every time or well, do you remember I did that one last video so I won't use that one for a while or Yeah, that's that's basically it. Um I before I go out, I, I, I make myself a path of like, oh, where I'm going to walk and how many spots I can, uh, I can hit. And now, uh, since uh, I, I basically done all the spots in my city, like twice at least, um, what I try to do um, is I, I try to go at other cities. Mm. So um, I, I use my Patreon money, wink, wink, uh, and I, I basically go in public transport and find a place. Uh, or most of the time, it's going to Montreal, basically, which is like the big, uh, the, the big city near my suburb. So um, yeah, Montreal is just crazy. Um, that's also a thing that is interesting. Is like uh, you start finding logics behind finding spots. What I mean by that is um, you need to look for uh, buildings that has a great uh, economic value. What I mean by that is either um, buildings that are owned by huge corporations or governmental buildings and churches and all other buildings that are public places and that mm -hmm. are funded by the, 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 the money from everyone, uh, the taxes, yes. Mm. So by this point, you know that there's a lot of budget that goes into that building. And big budget means big budget on the outdoor, on the and on sculpture, on art and stuff like that. So if you want to look for a unique spot, uh, checks, check your libraries, check your church, checks whenever there's a park with a fountain in it, you know that there's a huge budget that went into that, uh, that park. And all those kinds of stuff, you, you start realizing when you look out for spots that, yeah, that's the logic behind finding spots. The, the more money is put into a building, the more spot it, it will have. That's a really interesting approach because a thing that I don't like about auto fingerboarding that much is like you walk around for hours and you find like two spots or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's because you, you are in a poor city, basically. <laughs> I really like outdoor fingerboarding when I'm with someone who knows spots. Like, I don't <laughs> mind being like, hey, let's go to that spot I've seen you film at, or that one, or those other three. But just going out randomly hasn't worked for me that well. But maybe I just looked at it wrong and need to... One thing that I do all the time is go on Google Maps go on street view write down any city and like challenge myself and do, you know, um, rich, Richmond, Virginia and the U S never went there, but I, I'm sure I can, I can find some spot. And sometimes uh, it's sometimes even like cities um, that I know a certain finger border is from and that I know did a hot door exit in that city. One of my fun is try to refine spots that I saw. in Virginia. Oh, nice. So, yeah, I, I became really, really good at, at at finding the neighbor I need to go to, mm. to find a certain spot. 
That's crazy. I think that doesn't work as well in Germany since we have weird laws regarding Google. Like all images on Google Maps are basically seven years plus old and they probably won't ever make new images. No, but there's been like hundreds of lawsuits when they did the photos the first time. Wow. Yeah, from people wanting their their faces blurred and their houses and like people who had their cars in front and like it was a huge nightmare and google paid paid a lot of money and law fees and everything like that so in the street that i live in there are whole buildings missing on on google maps and that's pretty much everywhere in germany you get a feeling of the area but it could be that there's like one building on google maps and a whole area with like 20 yeah. houses in real life. Yeah, that's that's funny whenever it happens on Google Maps. It's like you, you get the satellite view and like you can see yeah. all the buildings and then you go on street view and then all of a sudden, what? Yeah, what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that probably happens quite a lot in, in Germany in general. And yeah. But the thing I always look for when, when I do search for spots is lists of memorials in the town or a list of uh, nice fountains. Because you, especially in bigger cities, you get like guides for like parents and stuff with like nice parks. And I look for the part where it says, is there a fountain or a memorial or anything of that nature? Any city that has marble. Like, Montreal has some. Um, I know New York is really fan of those, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, in Japan, like, there, there's a lot of, of stuff like that. If if a, if a city has marble, I, I think it's the kind of city that you can just go out without any plan mm-hmm. and just wander in the street. You always end up finding something. I actually was trying to film an outdoor part, but, like, I went out once and... Yeah. You motivation. They're only fighting two spots in like hours. I mean, I was still motivated to go, but I never did. I wanted to do it in June, so like a couple of weeks ago. And for some reason, it was like, oh, no, okay, not this weekend. Yeah, maybe next one. Then it rained. And yeah. Or when I wanted to go out, I couldn't find anyone to go with me. So that's something I wanted to ask you. You probably get weird looks or weird conversations uh, all the time when doing out the fingerboarding, right? Yeah, of course. Like people stopping by, uh, like people filming me. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of, lot of stuff happened like that. Um, the thing, I, I think, how can I say? I'm someone super, uh, sh- like it doesn't seem like, but I, I consider myself someone pretty shy. I'm not introvert. Like I'm mm-hmm. extrovert. I'm I'm shy, so I don't I don't take a, a lot of place unless people ask me to. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, whenever I fingerboard, um, like actually the first time I fingerboarded, I couldn't do it alone. Like I needed to be with people. If I was with people, I had like oh it's it's okay we're in a gang. Once you you start doing it over and over again, um, you start realizing that like hey people are not always uh, available when you are. So Mm. what you end up doing is like, hey, I want to film outdoor, but there's nobody. So I I just took my my courage, if we can say so, and started Mm. 
doing uh, fingerboard. Uh, like the first fingerboard adventure I did was alone, if I remember. And like the, most of the first fingerboard adventure were alone. And that's where I, I really started to learn how to, um, to bear with the attention because, um, my mentality is like, yes, people are laughing at me. Yes, um, they're kind of laughing at me. And, uh, but uh, the reality is I'm getting footage and awesome footage and like, it's super entertaining. Like, and the thing that people talk to me the most all the time is my outdoor clips. So my mentality became like, I'm, I'm doing my job, you know, that it's job, but like to, to be out and get footage. I, I don't do it for me. It's, it's not about myself. It's about okay. getting the stage, you know? So once I started having that mentality, I, I just don't care about people. I care about people. I don't care about whatever people think. I know I'm Ben, the guy who does fingerboarding, and that's what I'm meant to, to be doing. So I, I don't care. I just don't care. You should less give a fuck, I think. Yeah, but yeah, it's hard. To, like, you feel the judgment. But at the end of the day, the only thing you're going to be is like an anecdote of someone, of things that's going on in my life. Like, Oh, you won't believe what I saw earlier today when I was walking. I saw, you You remember when we were kids, we were riding those uh, miniature skateboards? Well, there were people doing it outside and they were like grown-ass people with big birds. <laughs> you know, it, that's as far as it's going to, to be. And five minutes later, it's going, what are we eating for dinner? So you don't need to focus on what people think about you. Yeah, I should really try to get a few more clips outside. Yeah, well, ju just at the same time, if you're not, not having fun doing it, don't mm. don't push yourself too hard. Like, what matters in fingerboarding is having fun. Yeah, mainly. That's the most important one, at least. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's basically the, um, the 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 definition of a hobby. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to hit you with a couple of quick questions. Let's do like a quick rapid fire. All right. So let's start with uh, what's your favorite wheels? Uh, favorite wheels, flat face. Which one? Uh, a material, turquoise. Any any shape. Uh, the regular ones, preferably, but any shapes works for me. I just love the turquoise. Color and the yeah, material love, love is well. slightly uh, softer than the white, but without being like really soft. Like let's say um, Brendan Roberts are a bit softer, or G60s, or mm. um, you had purple Yetis back then that was super uh, soft too. But yeah, that's favorite deck and shape. Uh, favorite deck and shape. Uh, it's. It's Camel Pro Meluche. I got three of them right there. Nice. It's, it's, it's just my favorite. It's a, a slightly shorter wheelbase than usual, but not short like, you know, shorter board. It's like just, just enough. And mm -hmm. just the 
perfect combo into having a mellow concave and medium to high kicks, let's say. So that's what I guess the, the most control out of. And yeah. if you buy my uh, pro model, shameless plug again, sorry, um, they come in 95 uh, millimeters mm-hmm. with a kind of a tribute to when I used to ride the shorter boards. Yeah, you, it, you did ride really short boards. Yeah, really, 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 really short boards. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah Never shape Camel Pro yeah. your board. That's, that's my answer. But let's uh, keep this rapid fire question rapid. So, yeah. uh, favorite yes. trick? <laughs> favorite trick? Uh, switch heel. Should have known that one. Uh, favorite trick on obstacle? Uh, Nolly heel, frontside tail. Favorite music song right now? Uh, my favorite song at the moment is probably... Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I don't know. There's so many songs uh, battling each other. Um, I would say... Um, Combustion by Meshuga. That's good. That's a good one. Outdoor or indoor fingerboarding? Uh, outdoor for footage uh, uh, and indoor because it, it costs a lot less. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite obstacle? Favorite obstacle? Any ledge, uh, manual pad? Um, yeah, a manual, like something that is big enough to be like a manual pad and a ledge at, at the same time. Mm-hmm. What do you do for a living or want to do for a living? Um, besides actually, earning YouTube money full time. <laughs> I'm actually a student at the moment and I am, uh, I'm aiming for a multimedia course, which uh, it's basically uh, film making and stuff. Actually, uh, I'm uh, originally a, a dropout. Like I dropped out of high school because of personal issues. And I went back into it around uh, to, uh, when I was 20. And it took me a bit of time to, 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 to yeah, get back into studies. So, and, and now, yeah, I'm basically doing a multimedia course, which got stopped because of... Oh, uh, shit uh, happened. Yeah, shit happens. <laughs> I don't really have a job. My dad is a janitor and my blog, like I live in a huge blog and my dad is a janitor, so... Whenever there's um, hard work to do that he doesn't want like to hurt himself or stuff, he's making me do it basically. <laughs> so basically, slave labor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Basically. Uh, concrete or wood? Uh, concrete. Switch or regular? I think I know that one as well. <laughs> Hobbies outside fingerboarding. Music, making music, and other than that, I would say uh, that's that's pretty much it. Play uh, watching YouTube. Is that a hobby? Yeah, at least doing YouTube stuff is a hobby. <laughs> <I'd say. laughs> yeah. Flat ground uh, with an obstacle or a park? Flat ground obstacle. Heel flip or kick flip? Heel flip. <laughs> Big surprise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite fingerboarder. Uh, favorite fingerboarder, uh, Gary Chen, because he he made he te- he he taught me everything that I know. 
<laughs> nice. Uh, favorite food right now? Uh, General Tao chicken. You know, spicy, sweet chicken. Yeah. Uh, loose or tight trucks? Um, medium. Uh, actually, a tight medium for uh, outdoor and medium, uh, medium loose for indoor. Uh, last trick you learned? Uh, it will be switch front foot impossible late heel flip. That is a tough one. <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, it's a maze fingerboard that does them, and the way mm -hmm. it works is loop it around the finger, and, and then, then once you're there, you just yeah. push it back right there, and it's a fairly easy a trick. Uh, a fairly easy late trick when you know a switch front side. Yeah. I should give that a try. Um, most hated trick? Most hated trick? Uh, impossibles. You know the, 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 the impossibles that turns the other way around? Like either it's a front foot impossible or like yeah. back side impossible. Front foot impossible with the back finger? Or? Yeah. Bubble flip is doing those like, uh -huh. like that, but it does this. <laughs> I actually can do the front finger one. It's so maybe. Weird. Yeah, I I should give that a try. A favorite drink. Favorite drink would be um, uh, sorry, I I have so many choices. Um, I would say Dr Pepper. Your fingerboard sponsors. Fingerboard sponsor are Camel Pro and uh, that is active, and I have uh, Finger Skate Ramp that is basically the people doing uh, those those ramps here. Mm -hmm. And but they're not really active anymore. But I still consider myself part of the team because they're dear friends of mine. And I'm I'm also gonna probably have a wheel sponsor soon, but I'm I'm not saying anything. Nice. Uh, 32 or 34 millimeter. 33. Same for me. Uh, dream sponsors. Dream sponsors. Um, I'm pretty affirmative that I'm already have my dream sponsor. As nice. my dreams was always to have a sponsor that I ask him stuff and he just give it to me. Mm -hmm. Like basically, how like. Except like this distribution stuff, I, I get huge, uh, huge discounts and stuff. But yeah, with Camel Pro, I'm basically treated uh, like if I want a deck, I will receive a deck. And mm -hmm. it's as simple as that. Like it, the the company is providing me tools for me to create videos that are promoting his brand. It's a relationship, you know. Yeah. So I, I, I like. My answer would be any company that does that, but I already found it. So yeah. I'm just happy about it. But to be real, who wouldn't want a Black River Ramp sponsorship? I know a few. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, favorite Instagram follow? Like, uh, what account do you enjoy the most? Uh, follow. Uh, That, that follows me? No, no, no. Uh, what account, uh, which are you following is your favorite? Okay, my favorite uh, Instagrammer, basically. Yeah. 
I'm always really happy when cute CTRL is uploading. Like, mm. the, uh, oh my god, sorry. Uh, I, I think I think they use they pronouns, but yeah, cute uh, CTRL. Uh, they're super sick. Like the the way they um, they create tricks and. Um, I don't know. It's just mesmerizing. He's having so much fun with such crappy stuff, and I'm, 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 I love it. They are so pretty good at art. Yeah, I uh, w wasn't following them yet, so I corrected that. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the last question would be a favorite overall company, but I imagine that being Camel Pro or... Yeah, uh, Camel Pro is pretty much my favorite company, but I would say that my my other favorite company is uh, the Azi Berlin company, if we can call it a company. Yeah, Just I think, I think the, we can. the sake that they're doing super amazing uh, concrete obstacle, but not only that, the, the way they bring the, the scene together the way they create events, and just like Timo as a person, like the way he does it, um, like it's pure intentions. Yeah, it's it's 100% authentic. And He's almost sacrificing himself for this scene. And he, he actually is. Getting the shop on his own, like after uh, Black River pulled out, like that was a huge risk and a huge undertaking for him and it it meant a few sacrifices on his part and it's still not like he he makes uh, tons yeah. of money with that it's like he, his Just goal is to yeah to keep it afloat and have something for the community and we're all absolutely grateful for that yeah that's why i'm i'm like i had to 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 say as it's just yeah. amazing also, like uh, another company that I'm a really fan of is Five Luck, just because Bert <laughs> decided to isolate himself in the woods and basically like become autosufficient. And yeah. he basically lives off the money he makes with his fingerboards, and it's yeah. something crazy to me. There's been a, a few stocks, like there's been one stock where he did the complete stock without any power, like mm -hmm. he he did one yeah, he all by all by hand and yeah and if uh, like every time i i i see uh, people on instagram posting uh, that they're making decks and see them with like uh, like a disc sender and uh, uh, and yeah like all all the hardware i'm like that's cool but like if bird would would have those things like he would spend every waking minute doing that but still like you don't need that like he he's still like in my opinion some of the best decks that yeah. he's doing and i, I had a five lux uh, tech five for uh, for a little while i wrote that and it, it's one of uh, the favorite dr uh, deck i i've wrote recently switched to the tech five street mm -hmm. and uh gotten into shorter wheelbases and shorter decks yeah, it's uh, my current favorite. Um, yeah, you recently got a pro model with uh, Camel Pro. Yeah, it's right there. Yeah, and it actually looks like you. Like, <laughs> like yeah. I, I really enjoyed the whole series, and yeah, I, I think it's 
one of the, or it's probably my favorite set of graphics from uh, Camel Pro so far. Yeah. Because in, in the past I was like, yeah, the boards are cool, but the graphics weren't like my, my cup of tea. Yeah. But those graphics are really cool style and like... The, the thing though is that something Philip, unique. Philip, Philip, the owner of Camel Pro, yeah. if I talk for him, um, uh, he's, he's someone who's all about uh, feelings, all about like, uh, oh, you're my friend, you're my friend. Let's make shit together because you're my mm -hmm. friend. So his mentality at the beginning was to go see, seek for his friends that do art, you know. Mm -hmm. But his friends artists, like, let's be real. When when you do art, you want money and stuff. So when Philip started his company, he really needed to um, to find the people who were willing to do that. Mm -hmm. So he only had, the, I think. Two to four graphics at yeah. the beginning. Yeah, I think I remember most of them. And he he kind of really wanted to work with the same artist, like to create some kind of like relationship. But um, it ended up like not working. So recently, um, Keith, one of our team writer, he basically put uh, put him in contact with someone that is an Photoshop artist, and yeah, he basically started doing the graphics for for Phil. And now, uh, recently, uh, we had other graphics that came out, and like also Philip used now he used a, a certain like fold, uh, like how can I say, holographic folding thing that looks like aluminium almost, mm -hmm. and. He can layer that with graphics, so he can create new graphics from the graphics he already has, and it's oh, cool. It's, they, they they're really getting. Uh, Philip is really working hard on on graphics, and I, I like it shows with the the pro model series. Yeah, basically. yeah. Do do you have a set of the whole uh, of the whole series, uh, like just for collecting, or do you just have your I, this is the, the the deck that you saw in my unboxing video that mm -hmm. I've been using. But uh, yeah, Philip at the moment he 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 just moved out in a new home, so he's not really working on it. But he he's definitely said that he's going to make us a frame with the, with all the yeah all the boards, so we can have the series. Yeah, because it, it seems like like a series you would want to have. As a yeah, and also like all to framed up signed by everybody. That would be another yeah. thing. Yeah, that, that would be cool. Um, do you have have met most of the other Camel Pro riders in person, or yeah, I've met them all. Like they're all I've met them all, and they're all my friends. Like we talk to each other regularly, and we are all there for each other. We we were literally stranger, but but Camel Pro brought us together, and now we're all brothers, basically. Yeah, similar with Five Luck uh, for me. Like, I'm I'm living on a different continent than all of them, and still. Yeah, but always yeah. like yeah, seeking out for each other, and yeah. yeah, I love it. Yeah, um, are you generally uh, someone who collects decks uh, or old decks, or do you just like shred them to pieces and? <laughs> 
one fun thing about me, I think I maybe, uh, maybe in my life, I think I spend less than $500 in fingerboarding. Like most of the stuff I get is either from contests or from sponsor, from sponsors. So I never was really about spending money into fingerboarding, even though I mm. sometimes had opportunities that were just too stupid not to, to spend money on. Mm. But other than that, like, I'm, like I, I just started spending money into it uh, because, yeah, basically now I have everything, uh, like mo- most, most stuff uh, at a discount when I, 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 because of Camel Pro. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, when you get twenty five, uh, yeah, close to twenty five percent discount on everything, you, you're just like, okay, but I, if I don't buy it, I'm not gonna have a twenty five percent discount. So I'm I'm losing money, and I need to buy it. <laughs> yeah, I I used to work at, uh, at a book a book publisher a few years back, and was a big fan of like they do graphic design books. Mm-hmm. And I was a big fan and had like a, a huge collection before I joined there. And while I was there, I was I paid, I think, 40% on a book or something like that. And yeah, during the time I was there, I bought like 10 more books. And then at my last day, I uh, uh, my boss told me, yeah, uh, let's go to the to storage and take as much as you can carry. And I literally walked out like that with books stacked up to, to my chin and like, uh... <laughs> I got a new full book, book case. Yeah. yeah. So, so I totally get the, uh, the thing of spending money when you have the opportunity to get some discounts and stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah, basically like my collection that I have today is like just a, accumulation of like the, the the past 10 years of just being an active fingerboarder in the, the community nice my collection is i definitely spent more than 500 dollars on my collection but yeah i'm i'm fine I with that here like in the hobby <laughs> yeah i think i paid probably one rent for the hazy berlin shop <laughs> <laughs> Like when you put it all together, and yeah, but that's the thing with hobbies. Like when you're when you don't have enough money, you have all the time for that hobby, and once you earn enough money, you don't have as much time anymore for that hobby. I try to spend most weekends when I don't have anything to do. I just go to the shop, and most of the time I buy something or yeah. But yeah, I think I'm not a, a good example. Like people should actually buy stuff. Like it's not only fun to receive new stuff, but it's actually helping the scene. Yeah, like, I is. think my videos uh, are a way for me to escape from like I, I actually care about the the because I do. But like I compensate yeah. my lack of 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 money investment and uh, the fingerboard yeah, scene. But you support it in a different way. And yeah. do you know, like, I don't know if you know that much about your YouTube audience, but do you know if, uh, if you have a lot of subscribers who don't follow any other fingerboard channels? Like, is that something that you know from your analytics and stuff? Uh, no, I cannot know that. I know where they're from. Uh, and I know like the percentage, I, I, I can know the percentage basically, like 
I know like I have a pretty uh, like I, I can see if it's the US that is watching me the most or Canada or the Europe uh, like uh, like Germany or, or France and stuff like that mm. I also have a pretty good uh, following in South America so like Argentina uh, Brazil oh. And stuff like that. There's a lot of people watching me. Because if you think about it, and you start looking for Brazilian fingerboarders, there are Brazilian fingerboarders, but there's not a lot of Brazilian content. Most of it is in Portuguese. So like, it's like only the Brazilian people watch the the Brazilian videos. So it doesn't like open the scene internationally. Mm -hmm. You know, so when I met uh, Mauro from Argentina, mm -hmm. he also also said that uh, like the the scene there is uh, is quite small or quite spread out, and uh, like I didn't know anything about Argentine or basically South American scene because uh, I know like a couple of brands, but I maybe know like four brands when I count them that are from South America and I probably know I don't know how many brands from Germany I know but more than four Well, in Argentina at the moment you have uh, Joaquim Mendez which is a French me French you he used to he's a French fingerboarder but um, he moved out in Argentina and now he's mm -hmm. working with Dirty Monkeys FC which is yeah uh, an upcoming uh, fingerboard company. They're yeah. doing lives with uh, like every week, and it's amazing. To to be real, um, I'm a fan. I'm a huge fan of Dirty Monkey's fingerboard because he's really um, treating his when he does live, he does interviews with like Argentinian writers, mm -hmm. and he really has he has a lot of charisma and. Even me, if I don't know, I don't know anything about Spanish. I can kind of understand what you're talking about, but I, I don't mm. understand most of it. Just by the charisma he has and the way he interacts with his audience and the way he brings everybody together, mm. it, it's so fun to watch. I definitely seen some of the live streams that he does. What I, sorry, my point was basically with Joachim being there, it's it's fun because he's a Black River sponsored writer, mm -hmm. and like I think you have uh, Lucas Bellaguarda, which is in uh, Brazil. You, you had uh, Las Paz aussi, uh, also, which which was there, and they're all writers that have been featured on the Black River channel. Mm -hmm. So there's there's a Brazilian scene, there's Brazilian writers, and but they're just just. They they don't have that much exposure. Exactly. When it comes to uh, to language, I know that uh, for you it's been uh, you were unsure about speaking in English in your videos in in the past. Well, uh, I, I would say in the I started doing videos in French because of course the Facebook group where I started doing videos was yeah. mainly French, um, and when I started doing videos like with my camera and stuff on YouTube, I started realizing that, hey, there's English people that are watching me. I was also part uh, now on Instagram since then. So I started uploading clips and realized that most of my interaction were in English. Mm. So since most of my audience became English, like more English speaker than French 
people, I started speaking uh, in English. But at the beginning of my uh, YouTube adventure, if we can call it that way, I would purposely speak like that. And the reason why I would speak like that is the fact that I'm basically speaking with my French accent, really pronounced, and I'm kind of pronouncing the word as if I would be pronouncing them in French. But... Like at at the end, it became like a a, a persona, a clown persona, yeah. <laughs> and I I yeah, my English got better also because it was an excuse for me to suck at English. Yeah, <laughs> and and yeah, more and more uh, I started interacting with my camera in English. The more I got comfortable doing it, also, but I still like still um, kind of use my French accent to pronounce words sometimes when I'm not sure. So, yeah, it, it kind of weird off with time. But, yeah. <laughs> Is it still weird to sometimes talk to a camera? Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I, like, I have, um, I would say I have a problem with my self-esteem. So whenever I watch myself... Some, uh, 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 to be completely honest, there's been, since I've done Ben's time, there's been at least two times I've tried to film one or like, or film, let's say a trick tip or stuff mm -hmm. where I'm speaking to my camera and like halfway through the video, I just cancel everything because I cannot bear like doing what I'm doing. I feel ridiculous and I, I need to, to talk myself back into it. So, but. Other than this, uh, yeah, it's it's still hard to do, but I I need to get shit done. So if yeah. it's either like um, for outro or uh, intro for a, a video, I just know that I need to say certain things to make the video better, and that's give me like as long as I focus on the work and not the emotions, that's. That, that that's pretty much it. When I edit the podcast, mm -hmm. it used to be really tough for me to edit it because like hearing your own voice and it, like it's so weird at the beginning. And yeah. a few days ago, I realized that it's become like super normal for me. I think I was doing something for work where I had to record something where, where I showed how something is done. Like it didn't bother me at all. And that, that's something where I was like, huh, I remember like a couple months ago, I was like actively trying when editing to just jump to the to the pauses and stuff and just edit them out and leave, leave the rest as is. And yeah. Yeah, that's basically uh, when, when you get nervous in class from uh, doing like oral tests and stuff like that, and you get nervous before going in front of everybody. Mm -hmm. But more and more you do it, or if let's say you the job in a museum and you start like being the guide and like always oral mm -hmm. presentation basically the more you do it the more you become good yeah the more normal it feels basically another thing i wanted to ask you when did your fascination with nolly heels <laughs> come about because i i i would say it's your signature trick or uh yeah, yeah. Nolly Hill, you know, it's it's mainly the tricks i've i've practiced the most um, how can I say? When I started fingerboarding, I couldn't switch heel at all, and I couldn't for like Obviously. four or five years into fingerboarding. 
And one day I, I just was pissed about it. And I've looked up a, a Chris Daniel tutorial and I remember like not even believing I, I was going to land it that way, but the way he explained it, how he do, does is just made m much more sense to me. And like after trying it, like most of the sesh, I ended up landing my first one. And then once you land your first one, I would say, if you guys are looking for switch heel trick tips, uh, it's all about um, practicing it. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's stupid, but whenever you do sesh, um, you, you got to start your sesh with a switch heel. Midway through, you, you, you do another switch heel, and at the end of the sesh, you do a switch heel. And after a year of, like, seshing, let's say, two, two, two times a week minimum, you, you're gonna be consistent at switch shield. A friend of mine used to say that he really sucked at kickflips, mm -hmm. and he always said that he can't ride switch or nollie. And he works as a photographer, and when he presses the button, it like takes a while for the system and everything. Yeah. And between that, he started doing four kickflips in a row, like kickflip, fakie flip, nollie flip, switch flip. Mm -hmm. And then when I saw him like a couple months later. He was doing kickflips into grinds and everything. And I was like, what the fuck happened? And yeah. when you notice that you struggle with a particular trick, try to get into a routine where you do that trick constantly. Yeah, re reward yourself also. I found out that when I learned tricks that I struggled with, I would like have a, a bag of candies or anything. And whenever I would lend one, I would allow myself <laughs> to take a candy. So my mind would like, like you conditioned <laughs> yourself. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm basically, yeah. <laughs> like training a dog, but yeah. it, it, instead of draining the dog, you train your mind into lending the goddamn mm. drink. <laughs> For me, the, the video that helped me was, uh, I think it was the video by the owner from subliminal. Owen? Yeah, I think he did a video on Nolly Heels. I think it was that one where it clicked for me. That's yeah. sick. Yeah, we all have, that's, like, I, I used to think trick tips, like, if someone did a trick tip, like, that was the only trick tip that, that was needed. Like, everybody doing the trick tip for the same trick was just repeating. But mm. I realized that, like, a lot of people has different way uh, of flipping tricks, like, or explaining a trick. Yeah, or explaining it also. Or even like the way the video is edited. Sometimes people are just going to take a one take and speak all over the place. And you get mm -hmm. Yeah, but sometimes it's just... When it's straight to the point. What, what I like, um, it's... The approach I like is when people teach you how to practice the trick, you know? Like mm -hmm. not... Not only do this, do that, but like start with the switch, uh, switch only. And then once you yeah. have the switch down, go to that other trick and then go to that other trick. Once everything is mastered, you can start trying yeah. that. Trick. It's going to make a lot more sense. I yeah. Think. I think the breaking down of a trick is much more important than showing this is how it looks. Yeah. Do this. Yeah. Okay. That doesn't yeah. say me anything. <laughs> But I mean, there's some tricks that some people struggle with and other people have an easy time with. Like, I have a good friend like Chris Hennemann, the one who does Hartz IV. Yeah. Yeah, he's really, really good at Switch 360 Pop Shavits. And I'm really good at 360 Pop Shavits. But we 
we still get letters from each other with those tricks every time because I can't land the Switch 360 Pop Shove it for the life of me. And he can land 360 Pop Shove it once in a while, but yeah, they're not going to be pretty. And like we tried teaching each other those tricks like a million times. Like, like how do you do that? Yeah, basically how you do it. Just switch. <laughs> to me, it's any like uh, my buddy Phil from Camel Pro. Yeah. Like, whenever we play games of skate, we always play for fun. But if I start doing like dirty tricks, like he starts <laughs> doing pressure flips, and he knows that he he has. I I can't do pressure flips for the life of me. I don't I, I don't like it. I don't yeah. understand. I think it looks stupid. Uh, I used to do pressure tricks, and people would call out uh, me like, "Oh, that's not hard flip. That's pressure hard flip." And like I, I, I wiped off pressure off my mind. <laughs> but I mean, you you do quite a lot of like weird tricks in your videos, and that's part yeah. of the reason why I like them. Because well, yeah. weird tricks. If we consider like switch varial eel, my switch varial eel are weird because I dolphin them, and they look like this mm -hmm. instead yeah. of looking like a, a proper varial eel. Yeah, sometimes do that with regular varial heels, especially into into grinds or slides. Yeah, it just goes so well. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but I, I more meant like you had so many like really weird combinations or really weird. Like there's been one a while back where you did like a impossible wall tap, impossible wall ride or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I re yeah, I know what tricks you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, and on that kicker, I think. Yeah, but then a Yeah, this was a switch front foot impossible. Danny Palatin foot plant, and then like I exactly I that one. I the board roll while I was foot planting, and then yeah. I oh yeah, I really. How long did that take, like roughly, or tricks of that kind? They're mainly fucking like I'm. I'm mainly just having fun and fucking around. So yeah, so you just I, landed and yeah, it just happens. But this particular trick took took like the way I film. I film a version of a trick and then I film another version and like let's say um let's say I do naughty art flip crook naughty flip five o. I'm gonna learn one where I'm more crooked, and I'm gonna mm -hmm. learn one more in nose grind. And after I decide, and what I'm gonna do is like refilm the the tricks until I get it clean, like like I want it to be. So sometimes, mm -hmm. sometimes in my exit, I'm gonna put like a sequence of like five times the same trick, and then you have the same trick again, but actually properly land just mm -hmm. to. Just to show, like, hey, it matters. Refilm your stuff, mm. and also to make my video a bit longer. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that's but, also another thing. Every time I edit a full part or a part that I'm doing, mm -hmm. I realize how long two and a half minutes or something like that can be, and I'm always amazed that you post that consistently. Because I'm like, what the hell am I supposed to do with like the last sixteen seconds? <laughs> Yeah, well, the, since I'm a fan of YouTube in general and YouTubers, like the last 20 seconds for me are always used for an intro, outro. And yeah. like, great with outros is that it's it's create traffic into your other videos. Yeah. Some 
are just there and they have nothing to do there on their cell phone. They're like, I just finished the video, but like, oh, there's another one. Dap. Yeah. It's it's as simple as... Yeah, more meant like when I know, okay, there's like somewhere in the middle is like 17 seconds missing or anything like oh, that. Oh, okay, like your B-roll or... Uh, yeah. You're or, or you're like, okay, I do need to film another trick or... Yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah, I get what you mean. Um, I I would say that I always film too many tricks and end up like not putting all the tricks in the edit because I, I sometimes the edit is either a bit too sketchy for my liking. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would say that like being consistent. That's why being consistent is is super like useful if we and yeah. important. It's because you can can basically end up just adding an idea and in less than three minutes you're pretty much done with the idea and you can have another idea and just like have fun with it i'm listening to podcasts at the same time so Mm -hmm. that's another thing to me like when i fingerboard i need to be distracted if i'm only fingerboarding I'm I'm not gonna learn the tricks as easily okay i rarely fingerboard with music or anything like that like sometimes, but yeah, not always. I, I don't know. I have a huge de- de- attention deficit disorder. People watching are definitely they they already know just because of how all over the place my answers are at the beginning. <laughs> but yeah, um, so I guess like when I have two things to focus at the same time, that's where I perform the most. I get that, and I'm like that as well. Like when I when I work, I always have a podcast or a YouTube video rolling at the same time. Like I mainly only put YouTube videos on where I don't have to watch, like uh, things like the Nine Club podcast yeah, is something i i listen to quite a lot or dungeons and dragons streams or like things like that that are mostly audio only mm-hmm. those are the things i watch all the time while doing something else like even when i'm playing counter strike or anything like that and i yeah. have a youtube video on my other monitor i have it like playing during playing the game and talking to someone via team speak and yeah you know, yeah, what you mean. Yeah, that's that's what I like to do too. Just, just when I when I I, I only focus on the fingerboarding, I I, I start overthinking stuff and mm-hmm. I start just yeah creating distortion in my thoughts. I need to to enjoy the moment and stuff. That's where the the, the best stuff come out, right? Yeah. Okay, I think we've been going on for quite a while now. Uh, yeah, very important. Much longer than I originally thought. Yeah, so let's let's wrap this up here. Uh, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Problem. I, I, yeah. I, I'm talking about myself. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it was interesting for everyone. I definitely had a blast. Thank you for listening. See you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.